starting a new Christmas series as we celebrate the Advent, which means the coming of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to be kind of camping in Isaiah chapter 9 the next number of weeks. And I think we're going to have a great time as we look at the promised names of Jesus. <clears throat> and as I start, uh, I want to say there's power and meaning to a name. I bet when you hear certain names, that there's certain connotations that come up. Just think about maybe what's the first thought when you hear Justin Bieber? Don't say it out loud. What's the first thought when you hear Mother Teresa? What's the first thought when you hear Tiger Woods? What's your first thought when you hear Donald Trump? What's your first thought when you hear Beyonce? Now my question is, what do they all have in common? No, I'm kidding. Um, they all have connotations, right? All those names have connotations. We've heard things about them through the news. We've seen them. We've seen pictures of them. We, you know, maybe think positively, negatively, whatever about these different people. Um, you know, and I know that names today don't maybe have as much meaning. I know some of us maybe were intentionally named or some of you parents intentionally named your kids. Uh, I know there was a study out talking uh, a couple years ago talking about the names that were trending, and some of the most popular names were taken from the Game of Thrones. So, you know, I, I may not necessarily recommend that, but, you know, uh, names maybe just are kind of thrown around in today's culture, maybe uh, a little more than they used to. In fact, back in the days uh, when Scripture were written, uh, and in Hebrew culture, names had very much meaning. A name meant uh, what that person or child would, would emulate. What it, it, it spoke about very much who they were. One commentator said this, in Semitic thought, a name does not just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of his being. So my question for you is, what comes to your mind when you think of God? What comes to your mind when you think of the coming of Jesus, our Savior, this Christmas? A.W. Tozer famously said, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say that one more time. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You see, our connection with and experience with and our, our desire or lack of desire to draw near to God and have him actively a part of our life comes from the overflow of our knowledge and belief or lack of knowledge and belief or understanding or misunderstanding of who he is. How we know God is ultimately rooted in who he is. And in this time when we read passages, that comes first and foremost with the very names of God. There's names of God throughout Scripture that mean everything from our Savior to provider to God with us and these different things. They all describe not only who he is, but what he does. And when we hear his names, it not only builds faith in our heart that he's good, but it builds expectation in our heart that good, that he is going to save and do amazing things. 
And that's why when we celebrate Christmas and we come to these promised names of our Savior, I believe they're going to uh, bring an, an eager anticipation in our hearts of the goodness of God and what he does in his saving power in our hearts. So I think we're going to be fed in the word and our hearts are going to be alive as we learn more about who this promised Savior is. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. If you did not have a Bible, we'll uh, have a couple people bring them down. We'd love to put one in your hands. So if you need a Bible, uh, put your hand up. As you turn to Isaiah 9, just quick background. Now, this is uh, before, this scripture is written before Jesus was ever born. In fact, this is 800 years before the coming of Christ. So this is what the Bible calls a prophecy of Jesus. <clears throat> that is pretty specific about who he would be, who this Messiah, who this Savior would be. And there are over 300 prophecies that went far hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. I mean, just if a few of these prophecies came true in these detailed prophecies of Jesus, it would be almost scientifically impossible. And there's over 300 prophecies about Jesus, which is amazing. So, so what was happening here was, was the people of God were in this war with Assyria, being taken into captivity and suffering, but yet they were looking to the promises of a coming Messiah and Savior who would establish his kingdom and deliver them. And so that word came forth of Isaiah chapter 9 in the midst of their difficulty about a coming Savior, of a coming Messiah who prophesied in specific of who Jesus would be. So let's read that passage, Isaiah chapter 6, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Man, what a powerful passage. What a powerful prophecy over 800 years before Jesus ever was born on the earth. Just a couple aspects of, of verse 6. It says that of Jesus that a child would be born, that a son would be given. I love that it prophesied that this Messiah, that this God who became man would be born as a child. That's what we celebrate here in Advent. That's what we celebrate in Christmas, that God became a man. That the Savior of the world did not just save from afar, but he became man. He suffered like us, lived a life like us. He became a human being. Uh, and that's why we call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So it prophesied of Jesus, this Messiah, that he would be born, that he would be a son, which he is the son of God. It said that the government would be on his shoulders. Jesus came not just to save us or get us to heaven, but Jesus came to establish a kingdom. And this kingdom under his rulership would be a kingdom of life, of healing, of restoration, of freedom, of purpose, an eternal purpose at that. And that his reign would be marked by goodness. 
His reign as a king over the kingdom he establishes for all he invites and all who say yes to Jesus. That kingdom would be marked by a king who is a wonderful counselor, by a king who is a mighty God, by a king who's not just a powerful ruler but an everlasting father. And that kingdom, our king, would be marked by a prince of peace. There's no other king or ruler or kingdom like it. And it says that he was given. And I love that. As we look at these names, he is a savior that was given to us almost like a gift. That the father gave his son, not just to send him to earth, but he gave his son as a gift to save us. And so oftentimes we know Jesus maybe as a savior but we understand the power and what is all inside a gift by opening it up. And we're going to do that this series. As we look at the names of our Savior, we're going to understand and unwrap the gift that Jesus is to the world and the gift that Jesus is to humanity. His life, his death, he shed his blood on the cross for you and for me, for our salvation, for anyone and everyone, all of us who have sinned, to come back to him, be forgiven, and have new life. We're going to open up the power and the meaning of that gift as we look at the names of Jesus. We're going to have a great time. So let's look at the first one this week, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. (coughs) So uh, what is a counselor, right? And I think maybe it's not just talking about a therapist, although it is a type of counsel. But counsel is a wise word given at the right time. Have you ever gotten a wise word right at the right moment? Like maybe you're about to make a bozo decision and someone gave you that right word. Maybe you weren't even happy to hear it first, but later you're like, praise God, you know, because I was about to make a bozo decision. If you've gotten a wise word at the right moment, you know the power of good counsel. The Bible talks quite a bit about the power and importance of counsel. Um, don't know if I had these slides, forgot to put them up. But Proverbs 25, verse 11 says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Proverbs 25, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. There were actually a number more scriptures all about the wisdom of counsel and the importance of counsel, that if we go on our own, we will fall, we will falter, we will fail, but if we receive wise counsel, we will succeed in that which God has for us. And why is that important? You know, I think when we think of counsel, we think of a few really important decisions we'll make, who you marry, you know, whatever. And please, get counsel on those. (laughs) But, you know, we're making decisions all the time, literally every day. And we're making those decisions from the overflow of counsel or lack of counsel that we've received at some point in our life. We decide how we spend our time. We decide how we spend our money. We decide who we're going to make relationships with. We decide how we uh, 
<coughs> do friendship or parent our children. We're making decisions literally every single day about these things. And it's coming from a framework in what you were raised. It's coming from a framework of what you heard on social media. It's coming from a framework of what you heard on the news. It's coming from a framework maybe of scripture. It's coming from a framework of somewhere. And we're making decisions every day based off counsel or lack of counsel. Our life is a byproduct of a bunch of very small daily decisions and a few big decisions, right? So you might be in a good place in life, and I bet it wasn't just one big decision that you got good counsel on. It was a lot of small decisions that came from the overflow of good counsel, the overflow of how you were raised, the overflow of learning to be a disciplined person. You made a lot of daily small decisions that led to that place, or you might be in a really bad place in some area of life. You might be really frustrated or blown up in your marriage. Or you might be frustrated where it's like, man, I don't even know. I'm pulling my hair out with my kids. I'm at the complete end of my rope. You, you might be in, in some other bad situation and wonder, how in the world did I get here? But it wasn't one big decision or two big decisions that you should have gotten counsel on. There's a lot of small, daily, maybe poor decisions that came from poor counsel or a lack of counsel that got us there. Right? We're daily utilizing or not utilizing counsel to make decisions in our life that move us toward God or away from God. We're daily utilizing counsel in our life, and the, the noise and the overflow of what's in our head is causing us to either walk into the blessing of God and into life, or away from the blessing of God and away from the life that God intended us. And I believe in light of that, you know, when we are stuck in our stress or we're stuck in our anxiety or we're stuck, you know, the things we feel this Christmas season and the relational pain we're going to feel as we go see, you know, Aunt Betty or whatever, uh, or the frustrations or the hurt we feel, you know, the anxiety and the stress we feel around those things, I believe, are not just because we're in tough situations. I believe we get stuck in our stress and anxiety because we don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do with that relational rift. We don't know what to do in parenting our kids. We don't know what to do, right, with, with that fear of rejection that plagues us. We don't know what to do with the job we just lost. It's not the situation that's keeping you stuck there. It's a lack of counsel. We need a way forward. And oftentimes, because we don't know what to do, immediately we numb it with stress. So we, we, we need to do all these big things, and we're sitting here just sitting on Instagram, you know, and we're like, all these things are stressed out, and we're just sitting here because we don't know what to do, so we just take out, right, and numb it with a bunch of other things. But I believe there's a way forward, and I believe God in every situation has a way forward through counsel, through wise counsel. It may not resolve it overnight. It may not be exactly what you thought, but God always has a way forward out of our anxiety or out of whatever situation we are in. Because good counsel eliminates stress. Good counsel removes us from a place of feeling powerlessness to moving forward and trusting God. Good counsel resolves relational division. Good counsel guides nations. Good counsel guides family Good families, God, good counsel can restore a heart. Good counsel can make what feels impossible possible. God wants to make a way forward. But in today's world, we got to admit that it's probably harder than ever, it feels harder than ever to get good counsel. 
It's not just because a lot of times, you know, the people around us just want to tell us what we want to hear, right? It's a great person to have around that will tell you what you don't want to hear. But we live in a world, right, <coughs> where, where news sources are biased more than ever. I'm like, I, I don't know what to really think when I read the news, right? Or, or, or everyone has a voice, right? We've got a lot of people out there talking that should be listening, Right, and, and, and uh, what I've learned, just especially in marriage and life, is if you're talking, you're not listening. Uh, we got, everyone has a voice today. Much of our culture, right, is, is, is we're looking to 24-year-old Hollywood stars to shape our political, our biological, our worldview beliefs, right? And, uh, and, and everyone in the political world, like, we're, we're, we're having the same circular discussions, and honestly, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. So even just, okay, we, we coached some sports teams this last, uh, this last season. Uh, and, man, it is crazier than when I was a kid, right? It's like you coach a team, and everyone's like, okay, well, you're going to do fall ball. You're going to do spring ball. You're going to do summer ball. You're going to do up ball. You're going to do down ball. You're going to do sideways ball. Like, are you doing this league? Are you doing that league? We had, uh, we, uh, my wife coached softball team. We had a, a dude who was uh, saying, man, I'm getting my four-year-old to a college scholarship. <laughs> I was like, bro, I'm about to give you some counsel right now. I don't even know if she likes softball. She's four, you know. <laughs> she can't handle a college scholarship thought. Let's chill out a little bit. Let's have fun. Let's play softball. And I'm not going to play sideways ball with you later next season or whatever. Uh, right? We live in a crazy world. There's pressure. Things are speeding up. Everyone, you got to be the best at everything. And if my kid or this thing isn't the best at this or if I'm not the best. And we're seeing images all day long over of other people's lives. And we have FOMO and we're missing out on everything. Right? Life can get crazy. And at the same time, right, like everyone has a voice, and, and, and we're hearing and listening to the voices of or looking at the lives of people who have three-pound brains. Right? Like at the end of the day, our, uh, we're, we're human. Not that we're, it's amazing what God created, but at the end of the day, we, we have three-pound brains, right? <laughs> like I might know a lot, but at the end, I don't know that much. My brain is three pounds. I can't add a day to my life. Scripture says, and um, what the, the world around us and human inventions to fix our problems and the counsel of man alone is not working. Well, we have made so much progress in the area of convenience, right? Think about it, like all these things are convenient. I just saw someone, there's a market coming out of like five to seven minute movies because we used to have this thing called boredom. And now I need a movie. When I'm, I'm just like, it's like, right? So we have all these, you can watch a movie in line, right? I'm like, but we're more, our conveniences are making us more stressed and more anxious. As a nation, we're more stressed and anxious than before. Our solutions to convenience are causing us more stress and backfiring. We have more information than ever before as a culture, but we are more dysfunctional than ever before. Right? And, and a human wisdom cannot change the human heart, right? God will give people some smarts at different times, but human wisdom cannot change the heart or solve the problem of brokenness and sin in this world. We need counsel. We need someone who can save us and free us from the voices of everyone's opinion and everything around us and the things weighing us down, and that is the child king. His name is Wonderful Counselor. 
So let's look back at our passage. I want to read it again, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He shall be called, our King, our Savior, is a wonderful counselor. What does that mean? That word wonderful in Hebrew means, uh, um, or in English it means uh, an extraordinary thing, good or great. In Hebrew it's this idea of being extravagantly above and, and beyond, almost like we can't comprehend it. And that, that causes a feeling of, of wonder, of things extremely good or, or, or marveling. Right? It's, it's a God who rightfully puts us in awe of everything he does. Right? When's the last time we've been in awe of God, not just gone through the motions? God is one who captivates our awe if we're willing to slow down and allow him to get our gaze enough. When he speaks or he does something, it is on a whole different playing field and a whole different level than us human beings, right? Wisdom originated with him, not with us. He is the uh, he is wonderful, and that includes his counsel being wonderful. So he is our wonderful counselor. And that word counselor means to advise, to consult, to give counsel, to to uh, to give purpose, and to to devise a plan. That is who our God is. Is who our Savior is, and what He does. So let me tell you about why his counsel is wonderful. First of all, wisdom originated from God, right? He formed the world with his word, right? His word that we listen to and receive counsel from, he shaped it, right? So if we're trying to figure out a problem in the world today, we need to go back to the one who framed it with his word because he knows why he built it a certain way. And I love that science again and again and again points back to a creator God. Because he's the one that made it all. Isaiah 40, verse 12 to 15. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed in mountains and scales and the hills in balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he, time my God, consult? And who made God or him to understand who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and are counted as a dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands in fine dust. Our God has mighty counsel. Wisdom originated from him. Isaiah 55, verse 8 9 says, For my thoughts, God speaking, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I just want to say that ought to both check us and be extremely encouraging to us. Because I feel stuck and don't know the way forward all the time. And there's good news that his ways are higher than my ways. When I don't have an answer, he can have an answer. Let me continue. Our wonderful counselor holds all wisdom and knowledge, all of it, like everything, answer to every problem. Colossians 2, verse 3, in speaking of Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
His wisdom is wonderful, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29, and also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in, in counsel and excellent in wisdom. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Let me just say, his word alone, which is a plumb line of our counsel, is the most purchased, most read, most trusted, and relied upon book in all of history. It has changed more lives than ever before. Governments have built their structures around this book. Governments and philosophies of the world have come and gone, right? But this counsel has remained just as relevant, just as read, just as important than ever before. So let me just tell you a couple of the promises that if we look to him in our need for counsel that he gives us. Psalm 119, verse 30, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. That's good, because at the end of the day, my brain's three pounds, I need that understanding. Psalm 119, verse 35, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And when we, when God reveals through his word things to us, it shows us the way forward. It shows us the way around. If you ever had a light turned on in a room, you're afraid and all of a sudden you feel at rest. You couldn't find something and you're fumbling around and all of a sudden you have clarity on where to go. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. And I love this. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. (laughs) I don't know the way forward, but that is a good promise for all of us. I love this. James 1, 5. I'm getting a lot of mileage out of this one the last weeks. Right? It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Man, the more I go, I, like I said, that's my memory verse from a few weeks ago. I've been riding that thing. Uh, I need it. He is a good counselor, right? And a good counselor not only has wisdom, but a good counselor understands. A good counselor listens. And our God is not just a God in heaven who doesn't understand mankind But in fact, he made us in his image. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And not only that, he came to the earth. We have a God who's infinite in wisdom and became a humble person. And he suffered what we suffer. We feel like, man, God can't understand what I'm going through. God can't understand. He couldn't counsel me because I'm a human. I've I've gone through some things, right? You ever been in a place where it's like, like, like I was living a crazy life when I was younger. I've shared some of my story and uh, they sent me to a counselor, and he was, like, all buttoned up, and his nice shirt, and, like, very, like, professional, and I'm, like, all edgy and messed up and whatever. And I'm, like, what thing did this guy tell me, right? God knows what you're going through. He suffered what, like we have. He's been rejected. He's been spit on, right? Uh, he, he's experienced the things we've experienced so he can understand. It says when he sees uh, the, the crowds and the multitude, he says he has compassion on them. That's good. <clears throat> right? And so I think a lot of times, right, we, we, we think we are supposed to know everything, right? And we think we're supposed to be strong. And we're like, man, I, I thought I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what, you know, God would say or whatever. God's job is to know the future. Our job is to seek him and trust him. 
It's not your job to know the future. It's not your job to know every answer. It's not your job to know every way forward. It's not your job to be God. God's job is to know the future. God's job is to know uh, the answers to what is going on. God's job is to know, uh, to be able to bring peace in the problem. We live in a complex world that is always changing, and humans typically don't have the right or at least an answer. God's job is to have wisdom. Our job is to seek him in our need and to be dependent and to trust him. And we can trust and build our lives upon that counsel. You know why he's a wonderful counselor? Because it works. His counsel works. Right? It's a working counsel. That's why it's wonderful. I never heard anyone say, man, I wish I wouldn't have trusted God. I literally never heard someone say, like, man, I read that Bible verse and it was wrong. (laughs) I never heard someone say, man, I sought God and I got completely anxious. And I just, you know, whatever. Uh, No, no. His counsel works. It breathes life. It breathes peace. And how did he bring his counsel? He made it accessible to us when he became a human. But the reality is a lot of us were Christians, right? Some of us were not. And you, you, maybe your response is to meet the wonderful counsel. But, but a lot of us were Christians, but we, we were significantly lacking counsel. We're significantly anxious in different areas of life, <clears throat> Why don't we turn to the counselor? And I want to say a lot of times because our hearts are filled with other things. Our, the noise in our head is full of things, right? Throughout Scripture, God's exhortation to his people is that, oh, that you would listen to me. And then I would be able to bless you, right? He, uh, Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, um, him who has ears, let him hear. He's not wondering whether you put ears on you. He's saying, would you please actually internalize what I'm saying in the midst of a crazy world, right? Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he said this, my people die from lack of knowledge. The people die and struggle from lack of counsel. I really feel like some of us here today, we are struggling because we've lacked the counsel. I really, I really feel like some of us, were, we, we've tried it on our own for long enough, and we're wondering why we're in pain. We're wondering why we're anxious. We're wondering why we're frustrated. It's because I believe the noise and things of our heart have outtuned the voice of God. Let me illustrate it. I've got my prehistoric corded headphones. Uh, and I feel like a lot of us, we're like this. We're, we're jammed along in life, and a lot of things are talking to us. A lot of noise is going on, and I'm on here and learning everything, and a lot of my responsibilities, right? And, and, and God's like, hey, Mark, Mark, right? It's like uh, you ever see someone, like a kid, or if you remember your first time in headphones, you're like all in here, and, and you, you're like your parent or someone's trying to talk to you, like, What? It's like totally quiet in the room. They're like, hey, Mark. Like, what? You know, because what are you saying to me? I can't hear you, right? You ever remember that? Because it's like, why are you talking so loud? Right, because all we can hear in our little world is, is, our, is, our, is our headphones. It was even louder when I took them off. Um, right? The scene that I love my kids do that. It's like totally quiet, and it's like, why are you yelling? Oh, you can't hear me um, at all. All you're hearing is what's in your ears. 
<clears throat> and, and I feel like we've done that. We, we, when we look to the future, we've got our plans in mind. We've got everyone else's opinion in mind. We've got kind of our own things figured out. We're listening to the anxious voices of society telling us what we need to keep up with, and we're anxious and fearful, right? And I believe that for many of us, the, the noise of the world and the noise of our stress is here, and the noise of God's word is here. We're wondering why we're struggling. We're wondering why we're in pain. We're watching two hours of a show where we can't read the Bible for 10 minutes on an area that we need counseling. We're over here on social media for hours a day, right? But we haven't tuned our hearts to the voice of the Spirit. We need God's word leading our lives. We need the counsel of the Lord. How do we activate God's counsel in our lives? How do we tune in to the wonderful counselor? First of all, we do that by making space. I don't know what's going on in your head, what's going on in your world, what's going on in your heart, the things that make you anxious, the decisions you need to make, the financial struggles you're going through, the relational pain you're going through, or what TV shows or whatever, or news stations or whatever, that's not all bad. But I don't know what's feeling ahead. We need to make space in our lives. Do we have space in our lives for God's voice? Do we have space for some of us in our marriages and the conflicts we're having? Are we just hearing our frustrations with our spouse? Or are we hearing what God says about it? For some of us in our fears of loneliness or singleness, are we just hearing the lies of the enemy or our fears and operating out there? Are we tuning in to God, what are your promises for me? Right in our job frustrations or our lack of wisdom for the future, are, are we just spinning our wheels and even trying to just figure out and strive on our own without hearing God? Are we tuning in to God, what are you saying for my next season of life? It's the noise, it's the clutter in our lives that produces anxiety. <clears throat> so we need to, number one, make space. Number two, we need to come to Jesus, the wonderful counselor. We need to come to the wonderful counselor. And thank you, thankfully, he came close to us. <laughs> you might feel far from him, but we serve a God that came to us. We don't work our way to him. He forgives us and invites us to come to him. <clears throat> how did he come close to us and how does he speak to us? He speaks to us first and foremost in his, his word, his scripture. Man, as I, as I said earlier, the scripture promised that, that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our past. God wants to speak. The counselor wants to breathe through this word in an extremely relevant way to you. What struggles do you have going on? What anxieties do you have? And do you know what scripture says? I often talk about having a fighting scripture in every season, right? What are, what are you struggling with this season? What is going on in your world? And what is your fighting scripture in the holster? Because if I'm just getting pushed around by it and I can't take out the sword and, you know, take it out, I need the word of God. I need God. What are you saying? <clears throat> Secondly, God speaks to us in prayer. Scripture promises that when God gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us a counselor. We're to be led by the Spirit. We discern the Spirit's leading in prayer. God wants to speak to us in the place of prayer. Another way that we hear the wonderful counselor's voice is through his church. Through the relationships in your life, the Bible calls the church a body of Christ. My body's always communicating to itself. I have pain in my toe. I need you to arm, move over here. I need you to go over here. Hey, 
protect me over here, right? The body's always communicating to us. As I've said before, I don't see 360 degrees, right? I can't see the back of my head. I need you to see the back of my head for me, right? Scripture says that we hear and see God in part, which means that in order to know all that God wants to say, I need to hear from you as well. And for some of us who are wondering why we're struggling or wondering why we keep making bad decisions because we keep going and what's in our head or on our own. Sometimes I look at people and I'm like, that would have been a lot less painful if you would have just asked some input from someone wise. Right? Sometimes that's our spouse saying the things we don't want to hear. Sometimes that's a friend saying what we don't want to hear. Right? But to get that counsel means that we need to actually seek him in it and walk with him in it. Think of an illustration. Um, <clears throat> you ever walk a dog that just, like, will not walk with you? <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? It's either, like, fighting backwards like this the whole time. It's, like, necks all, like, ruffled up. It's got that big eyeball. You know what I'm talking about when that dog eyeball does that? It's like, whoa, that's weird looking. What are you doing, you know? <laughs> Trying to take you to the park. Or you got a dog that's like running in front of you, you know, and it's like chug. <sighs> we had a dog that did that and it was, when I was living with a bunch of dudes. My, my friend had one. It would do that to the point of it, it just started coughing and like hacking stuff up. It's like, <sighs> and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, <clears throat> I'm trying to walk you, right? It's like, one way, it's like, man, what do you, you know, when they're pulling back, you're like, do you think I'm going to take you to your own death? What is going on, right? And you're up ahead choking yourself on the other way, like, like where, where are you trying to go that is worth, like, not breathing over, you know? And I, and I think that's what we do sometimes with God. I think that's what we do with this counsel. God's trying to speak to us, and we're like, you know, like giving them an eyeball, like, God, don't kill me, you know? <laughs> or we're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do with my life. I know what I'm going to do in this. And just, and they're like, oh, and we're wondering, like, why we can't breathe and why we're anxious and why we're stressed because we're doing it on our own. <laughs> we haven't sought the counsel of the Lord. We haven't walked with the Spirit and experienced his peace in that situation. It comes by being in a rhythm with God. Just like if we're walking a dog, they just take our lead. We're going to go right. We're going to over here. Oh, look, we're in a park. That was way better than you killing yourself. I was trying to bless you this whole time if you would have trusted me, right? And I think sometimes we're like, God is trying to bless us, and we can't breathe because we're trying to do it on our own, or we're fighting him his whole time, thinking that his counsel is going to destroy our lives or something. <clears throat> that means rhythms. That means coming to him daily, right, in word or prayer. <clears throat> we talk a lot about spending time with Jesus here in our church because we believe that's kind of like Christianity 101. I don't do that to earn God's love. I don't do that to prove something. I do because I get to. I get to spend time with the living God, and honestly, I need to. <laughs> like, I need every day for this to remind me not be an idiot and like that there's a world outside what I want and think, Right? I need this, I need the love of God to fill my heart so I can be a generous person. I need to remember that God loves other people and has a purpose. I need to remember to be generous with my finances and trust him. I need to remember that God has gotten me today. 
<clears throat> and so daily, it's not that, oh, I need some big answer to something, although that's it sometimes. <clears throat> but I need his presence and his peace and his leadership and just his general counsel to guide me every day. And I need to accrue that and accrue the word of God in my head over the years. Right, I need, I need that daily. So it's not like if I miss time with God, he doesn't love me, I'm gonna fall off the face of it. No, it's just I need to come to him daily for his general counsel, his wisdom, and his peace and power to lead me. <clears throat> but it also means that just in, in, as we're making decisions or in different seasons or things, we are coming to the wonderful counselor. So what that looks like in, in certain seasons of us, at the beginning of a year, we'll seek the Lord as a family, and we're actually gonna lead you to do that at the end of this month, to seek the Lord as a family, saying, God, what are you saying for this next year? What's the word of the Lord? What are, what are your priorities for us? What are we going to need to say no to, right? God, what are you saying to us for this year? And then we build our lives around the counsel of the Lord for that next year. That means, uh, you know, and we're in seasons of, of transition, right? So, if, like, when we, when I started dating, we're in, we became married, you know, it's like, man, I have to know what the Bible says about marriage. I have to, like, accumulate, what is the Bible saying? Like, list it out. Let me study it because my idea of, of, of what marriage is has been completely shaped differently than what, I, well, than what God says. His ways are higher than mine and better. <laughs> How in the world do I raise kids? I've got to be in this, and I've got to be prayerful, Right? How do, I, how do I thrive in my career and my work? I've got to seek him how I work. How do I walk in purity in my dating life? And are you fighting with the word of God? Do you know what the word of God says? Are you going forth on your own? <clears throat> it means, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it means indecisions. <clears throat> we're seeking the Lord. So we're trying to figure out our kids' schooling this last year, and we did our homework. We did the research. We did, like, looked at it all, right? We want the best for kids. We want God's purpose for our kids. But then as a family, we included our kids. We got before the Lord on our face and said, God, we know what, what man's wisdom says and what we think. God, what do you say? And we want our kids to see us not just trying to, like, make them the best. or whatever. We want our kids to see us, like, on our face before Jesus. Say, God, what do you want for this big decision? And, and God really took me to a place like, are you going to trust me with your kids? And God actually spoke something to my, one of my kids that confirmed something that we were uh, sensing from the Lord. It was a powerful time as a family. God did something in my heart. God did something in my family's heart. <clears throat> it means seeking him. And it just means, uh, <clears throat> and then, of course, just in situations, man, I need the wisdom of the Lord. Like I said, I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that James 1 scripture <clears throat> again and again. Uh, um, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask the Lord who gives generously without reproach to all. So, you know, we'll be in a marriage conflict and literally like, I know what I think is right or what, but like, pause, prayer, Holy Spirit, what in the world do I do? And he strengthens me, he gives you wisdom and he helps me to love, right? Or you're stressed with a friend or you're stressed in a, like a financial situation. God, I don't know how to make the money I need to make, but you're the provider. What are you speaking? What are you leading, right? What are your promises here? How should I be living here? Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you guiding me to do? God has answers. Sometimes we get something clear or we see something clear in here. Sometimes it's more just general counsel and wisdom that we can build a life upon. But either way, we need the counsel and the wisdom of the Lord. 
God said that is rhythms of our life where we're putting God first. Matthew, I'll just end with this. Matthew 6, verse 33 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added to you. The things we need, clothes, you know, whatever we need. Seek first the kingdom of God, then these other things will be added to you. Seek first the counsel of God. He will take care of the things we're anxious about. <laughs> 